1128, if we hadn't had an opportunity to meet yet, I'm Nikki, and 1128 is all about helping people to do life different by setting rhythms and values with Jesus at the center. This morning, my hope for you is that you will have a life-changing encounter with Jesus. My hope is that this would be a safe space for you to explore faith, spirituality, and a relationship with Jesus. This morning, I have a little helper up here to lead us in prayer. Do you want to introduce yourself, sweetie? Hi, my name is Harmony. Will you guys pray with me? All Father, who are in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, and dine in the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you. Now, this morning, at around midnight, the Holy Spirit finally revealed to me why it was he was impressing upon me the need for my seven-year-old daughter to join me up on stage. I'm going to read you a passage from Mark 10, 13 through 16. People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. He said to them, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly, I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter. And he took the children in his arms, placed his hands on them, and bless them. That prayer was one of the first prayers that we taught our children. And too often, I think we're guilty of just saying things by rote, forgetting the true meaning of them. This morning, I believe that the Holy Spirit wants you to receive this word and the promises of Jesus like a little child with openness, with questions. He's not afraid of our questions. But he wants you to take that moment and cast off all the things that life has chipped away. The hardness it's added on and the little bits of faith that it has chipped away. Because in reality, I myself have struggled. As I've gotten older and now I'm responsible for little human beings, I find myself wanting to take that control back from God. And I find areas of my life where my faith has been diminished. And as I'm worshiping next to my daughter and as I'm going over this week's message and the Holy Spirit is impressing the need for her, I realize that there is a need for me to come back to childlike faith. There is a need for us as a church to come back to an openness to God. Now this morning, we're in week three of our series, Secret Sauce. We started off by discussing the things we as human beings strive to accomplish. The careers and accolades that we pursue, the titles, the degrees that make us feel all warm and fuzzy inside, you know, at least for a little while, right? Because there's always the next thing. We always have to achieve the next goal. And that's when we realize that it's just never enough. And fulfillment isn't in reaching goals, even though those are good. The fulfillment that we desire in our hearts as Christians, that's placed there by God, is it's never in what we do. 
It's always in who we know. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Mike and Colleen then teamed up to illustrate how important it is that we don't become obese Christians, engorged in this knowledge but missing out on the true purpose of God sharing himself with us. God doesn't want us to live a bored or burned out life. God wants us to live in the flow. Our relationship and knowledge of God in Christ Jesus should flow outward as we pour into those that we are surrounded with. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This week, I get to focus on the next ingredient of the secret sauce, which is God's provision or our daily bread. I don't know about you, but when I first heard the word provision, I went right to finances, financial provision. Of course I did. All right. When Mike first delegated this portion of the series to me, I was super excited because I had just made the decision to become a stay-at-home mom. And I was like, oh, this is an opportunity for me to do all this research and fill up on all this word about how my finances are going to be great and everything's going to be easy peasy if I just pray and have faith and trust and preach this message we're going to be just fine. <laughs> and then, you know, Nikki plans and God laughs because I was planning and preparing and it became abundantly clear that my plans and the Holy Spirit's plans are often, you know, a little bit different. And throughout the last couple of weeks, he has changed the direction of the message. Now, Mike and Colleen have warned me multiple times that when I'm giving the message, I will find myself in a spot where I have to trust the words that I'm going to speak up here on Sunday morning. And this week did not disappoint. So our nine-month-old, Josiah, who is up here sleeping right now on my husband's shoulder, he has had these fevers. Last week, it was four days in a row. This week, it was the first five days. And there's been no other symptoms, no cough, no congestion, no sneezing, no runny nose, none of that. And we were starting to get worried. You know, he's got like seven teeth, the eighth just popped through, three more are coming in the back. And I was like, oh, maybe it's just teething, right? But the doctor kind of just crushed my hopes and dreams with that. She was like, there is no way that teething is going to cause a fever that's 103 degrees or 102.9 degrees, okay? So I did what any mom with anxiety issues would do. I went meandering down the Google rabbit hole. And there I found myself looking at, what if it's an autoimmune disorder? What if it's like cancer? What if, what? all these things. Even as I'm preparing this message about God's provision, about the need to trust God, right? I am doing the exact opposite. It got to the point where I was so frustrated. I was starting to get angry with the doctor because she wasn't running the tests I wanted her to run on time. I was angry because I have other children that need my love and my attention. My husband needs me. And I'm obsessed at this point with finding the answer to this situation. And I wonder, have you felt hopeless or frustrated, angry this week? And what I realized is that often when God calls us to give a message up here, it's one that we have to receive as well. So I'm up here as much preaching to myself as I am talking to you right now. At times this week, I literally felt like I was running on fumes. 
my spiritual, my emotional, my physical gauges were just on empty. And I want to ask you today, where are your gauges at? Are they full? Are they empty? Are they like in the middle somewhere? I want you to take a few moments to reflect on the three gauges that influence your life. You have a spiritual gauge, an emotional gauge, and a physical gauge. I want you to be honest with yourself. Where are you at in each of these three areas? Are you on empty or are you full? I mean, maybe you're somewhere in the middle and you know, that's cool or whatever, but Christ didn't really die for us to be middle ground meh gauges, you know? As a matter of fact, he said that he came that you might have life and life to the full. And too many of us rely on Sunday mornings to fill our spiritual tank up. And often we end up back in these seats, running on fumes. And I just told you, I've been guilty of this too. We need to end the stigma that worship leaders and people that preach on Sunday don't experience this. Because we do. When my other gauges are out of whack, I've cut corners in my spiritual life. I will do Bible studies with my children for my children and tell myself that that's, that's enough to fill me up. Even though the Bible tells me that children need spiritual milk, but the spiritually mature need meat. The thing is, most of us will compartmentalize these three gauges and think if we're good in one area and middle ground in another area, that that's okay. Some of us stay fit, we eat right, and we're full in our physical area. But our emotions get a little out of whack because deep down we know that life is about more than the way you look. Some of us are great in our emotional areas. We have our kids, we have our friends, we have our warm cup of coffee in the morning or a nightcap with our spouse before bed. And there's peace there because we have all these activities and people filling up our emotional gauges. But time alone with ourself and with God, we don't make that time. Now, some of us are great in our spiritual life. We go to Bible study. We have our small groups. We spend time in prayer, worship with God. We come to church on Sundays. But we know we need to work on lowering our cholesterol. Or we drink too much. Or we should quit smoking. Or we got to lose some of those extra pounds on our joints, right? These three gauges, when compartmentalized, will trick us into mediocrity. I would argue we need to look at them as an integrated unit. And filling all of them up on our own or apart from Jesus is next to impossible. This is where Jesus invites us to trust him, to provide for our identity and mission every day. Jesus has the resources we need, but too often we turn to the world and the world Loves that. Marketing campaigns exploit our search for the resources that Jesus freely offers. Too often, we frequently get sucked into one of two lies. One, we are not enough. Two, we do not have enough. And it doesn't stop with us. The world will tell our children that they are not enough that they do not have enough. My husband and I normally sit in the back row. 
because that's where he's more comfortable, and yes, I put you out there. But as I'm sitting back there, I've seen quite a few young people in these seats. And I want you to know today that this message is as much for you as it is for your parents or your family members, your guardians. So to all of you, if you're in here navigating school and friendships and trying to find your way in this crazy world, I want you to know and to remember that God teaches the opposite of the world. In our identity and our mission, God teaches the opposite. We are his beloved children. You are his beloved child and you are enough. He will provide the resources necessary to accomplish our mission of living his will out on earth. You have enough. And I just want to pause there and focus in on the word daily because I've said it a couple times. Jesus invites us to trust him to provide for our identity and our mission every day. Now, I don't know if you all remember the 2020 toilet paper fiasco, but if we learned anything from that experience, it's that people have a tendency to hoard what they think they need for themselves. Now let's take a look at Exodus chapter 16. At this part of the journey, the Israelites were getting pretty grumpy. They were taking it out on Moses and he wasn't too happy about it either. They were actually wishing that they could go back to Egypt as crazy as it sounds, back to captivity just two months after they had escaped because they were a little hungry, or as we would say today, hangry, okay? But the response that they get from God is yet another miracle that illustrates his never-ending patience with us. Exodus chapter 16. Then Moses and Aaron said to all the children of Israel, at evening you shall know that the, glory, that the Lord has brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you shall see the glory of the Lord. For he hears your complaints against the Lord. But what are we that you complain against us? Also, Moses said, this shall be seen when the Lord gives you meat to eat in the evening and in the morning bread to the full. For the Lord hears your complaints which you make against him. And what are we? Your complaints are not against us but against the Lord. You see, he is kind of frustrated with them there. Then Moses spoke to Aaron, Say to all the congregation of the children of Israel, Come near before the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. And that's a point we need to understand. Even though they weren't complaining to the Lord, they were complaining to Moses, the Lord still heard them. So even though you might be complaining to your spouse or your neighbor or your friend, the Lord does hear you, and he does listen to you. Now it came to pass, as Aaron spoke to the whole congregation of the children of Israel, that they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, I have heard the complaints of the children of Israel. Speak to them, saying, At twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread, and you shall know that I am the Lord your God. So it was that quails came at evening and covered the camp, and in the morning the dew lay all around the camp. And when the layer of dew lifted, there on the surface of the wilderness was a small round substance, as fine as frost on the ground. So when the children of Israel saw it, and they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. And Moses said to them, This is the bread which the Lord has given you to eat. This is the thing which the Lord has commanded. Let every man gather it according to each one's need, one omer for each person according to the number of persons. 
Let every man take for those who are in his tent. Then the children of Israel did so and gathered, some more, some less. So when they measured it by omers, he who had gathered much had nothing left over, and he who had gathered little had no lack. Every man had gathered according to each one's need. And Moses said, let no one leave any until morning. Notwithstanding, they did not heed Moses. But some of them left part of it until morning. And it bred worms, and it stank. And Moses was angry with them. So they gathered it every morning, every man according to his need. And when the sun came up hot, it melted. So here we see God literally sending the food of heaven, manna, and instructing the Israelites to collect what they needed for that day, inviting them into that relationship to trust him daily. If you read on in Exodus, though, we see that they disobeyed again, even after Moses got mad at them for it, because they were instructed to save double the night before the Sabbath, so they didn't have to go out on the Sabbath to collect. And again, people, being people, being afraid for themselves, did what they weren't supposed to do. And God gets a little frustrated here because he says to them, how long do you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? The thing is, God wanted them to trust him to meet their needs. And this scripture is here to remind us of his faithfulness. He kept the Israelites full off meat and bread from heaven for 40 years. 40 years. I don't know if any of you have children, but our kids eat a lot. And I know that when our boys get bigger, the teenage boys eat even more, okay? But he made sure that they had everything they needed for each person. And he took each person's unique capacity into mind. He said repeatedly in here, they took according to their need. My capacity might be bigger than your capacity or might be smaller than your capacity. This is why we open ourselves up to God. The more we open up to God, the more he gives us and the more then flows out of us. If you want to say a baby Christian with small capacity, don't open yourself up to God. But if you want to see and pray and experience those big miracle things, open yourself up up like a child to those possibilities because the daily practice of trusting God for our spiritual and physical bread is how we live out who we are and what we're ultimately going to become about the truth is God gives us so many promises for both our internal and our external needs in his words and you could take a look at just a few you were created for good works Ephesians 2:10 1 Corinthians 12.4 tells us that we have spiritual giftings. Things like wisdom, knowledge, discernment, faith, prophecy. 2 Corinthians 13.9 tells us there is power for us in our weaknesses. And wisdom is freely promised in James 1.5. But we also have not so spiritual gifts, okay? Now these are the parts of our personalities that God gifted us with that aren't explicitly expressed in the Bible. God created every bit of you intentionally. When he knit you together in your mother's room, he already knew what your natural passions were going to be. And he shows us how to use those for kingdom purposes. For instance, I have somewhat decent communication skills. I'm still working on it. But he uses that to share the word of God. The worship leaders, the musicians up here, they have an amazing talent with different instruments, with singing. And God takes that and he uses that to bless his people week after week. 
My husband, he has a passion for and works in politics. He has great administrative skills, and God uses this to help him serve Milwaukee County. But not just that. Something that I've witnessed is that he will also take the parts of our characteristics that we don't like, the parts of our personalities that we don't like, and he can redeem them. So, for instance, my husband has a little bit of anxiety, which makes him like a list person and meticulous, and he's very thoughtful, and he never forgets things. So you can count on him to remember the little details because he's kind of afraid of forgetting the little details. So he makes sure he remembers them. But that's how God will take the things that we don't like about ourselves and use them because I benefit from his anxiety all the time. I don't have to forget stuff because Tim, I know, has written it down somewhere, right? And God doesn't just stop with internal provisions. He also gives us external provisions to use in our daily lives. And he asks us to be content with those provisions. So this is where he did grant me permission to talk a little bit about finances. But bear with me. My husband and I, we don't have a huge home. But as Mike kind of shared a little bit earlier, we were blessed with a home in an area right down the road from here that we can host Friendsgiving at, that we could have people come over for block parties. And it goes against our natural inclinations to tithe 10% every paycheck. Like, it's harder for my husband because when I was in prison, they automatically took 10% of my money, so, like, I'm used to it, okay? It's harder for my husband, though, and it's been a struggle for him, you know? But I've seen God work in that, and I've seen God bless us in that area because God promises in Luke 12, 22 to 34 that he provides food for the ravens and clothes for the lilies. And we are of more importance. So we should seek first the kingdom of God, and all these other things will be added to us. And so we act on that by trusting him in our finances. And we've seen his provision. So yes, finances are one of the external provisions of God. But so is your home. So is your friend, actually. I, Mike and Colleen have been amazing to us this last week, bringing us food and just checking in all the time. That's an external provision for us and an internal provision that God has given them because he's given them hearts that are kind and thoughtful and that go the extra mile. Now, the reason God didn't want me to focus on finances is because he warns us in Hebrews 13.5 to keep our lives free from the love of money and to be content with what we have because God has said, never will I leave you, nor will I forsake you. And I'm not saying be frivolous with your internal or your external resources. But I am reiterating what Mike and Colleen said last week. What you receive from the Lord should flow outward to others. And when you leave here today and throughout this week, I would like you to ask yourself about the provisions you've had, about the resources you've been given, both internally and externally. I want you to remember that Jesus invites us to trust him to provide for our identity and mission every day. Now, if you're a list person, write out the provisions you've been given. Write out the resources you've been given. Take time and pray over them. Ask them, ask God where he would like you to use them. I'd also suggest a check-in of your spiritual, emotional, and physical gauges at the end of the day and ask God to come into those spaces where you feel empty and to fill you up again. I want you to have that childlike faith that actually believes that when you ask Him for something, 
He's going to respond because you are His child and He cares for you. I've also found it's helpful to write down the evidence of those times He has showed up and to share them. Share them with your children. Share them with your friends. Share them with your spouse. Share those things. Keep them before you because the devil and fear and anxiety and doubt will creep in. It always does. But you have the promises in the Bible and you have the experiences that God has brought you through to prove to you that the devil is a liar and that God is faithful. The world doesn't need another Christian working in their own might to make a difference. The world needs Christians, you and me, to tap into God's provision and make the kind of eternal difference we were created for. Would you all pray with me? Lord, I thank you for the body of believers that you have gifted us with. I thank you for the people that come into our lives to edify you, Lord, to bring us closer to you. I thank you for your healing hand over my son this week. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to share the word of God. And I pray, Lord, that when we all leave here today, that they would forget about me and they would remember you, that they would be curious about you, that they would open up their word and get to know you, that all fear and anxiety would be removed from them and that you would guide them and they would be open, that you would renew in them a childlike faith. A faith that laughs at the face of fear and laughs at the face of anxiety because they know and they can stand on the promises and the word of God who is never changing. In Jesus' name, amen.